Quick word here before we get started. This episode is a continuation of our first episode called The Resume. So if you've not yet listened to that one, you may want to hit pause, go back, and start there. Then rejoin us here in episode two after you've caught up. Seriously, if you forge ahead, it'd be like watching, I don't know, The Godfather Part 2 without first watching The Godfather. Sure, it may be better, but it's going to make way more sense if you start from the beginning. Okay, everyone's caught up? Here we go. Today we continue talking with our team of experts about resumes and dive headfirst into the weeds of the details and presentation that, just like so much of what we discussed in episode one, can make or break your first impression with an employer. Whether your resume is being viewed by a living, breathing person or scanned over by an automated system, we're going to get into things like applicant tracking systems a bit later, details like spelling, spacing, punctuation, even the font you select, are evaluated and weighed into whether your application gets put into the yes pile or the no pile. So buckle up, folks. It's about to get grammatical. From the Kent State University College of Business Administration, this is Ready for Business. In this series, we'll focus on the readiness of business students as they hit the job market for internships and full-time jobs. My name's Andy Wines, and I get to work every day with a fantastic team of career service pros whose mission it is to help talent and opportunity meet. To help us understand what's expected in being ready for a job or internship search, we're talking straight to folks making that judgment call on who is ready and who is not. For this series of episodes, we're stepping into the minds of 10 recruitment professionals from a variety of companies, large and small, hearing exactly how those ready-or-not decisions are being made. You would be surprised what gets put on a resume. I've seen enough resumes in my day to know that some people just don't know, but a picture is a good sign that you really don't know what a good resume looks like. Spelling errors are definitely a turn off. This is your best self, right? This is something that you've been able to review, 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 edit, edit, edit. It's when you have the weird fonts and the weird paper that I think it almost takes away. But yeah, definitely don't do Comic Sans Point 20. This week on Ready for Business, attention to detail. So if you're a stickler for grammar, punctuation, and tidiness, one, congratulations, and two, you're about to have all of those habits totally reinforced. But if that's not you, and you would never identify yourself as being, shall we say, meticulous, you need to hear what our friends in HR have to say on this, and why these details play such a big role in your candidacy for an internship or job. The first thing that you see that might be like a turnoff or something that's kind of an indication that mm, this may not be an individual we want to pursue, what are some of the red flags that you're seeing? In typos. <laughs> typos and spacing errors. Um, to me, it just kind of shows that you didn't review your resume or that you don't care. Um, you're handing me a, a very important piece of paper that's supposed to get you an interview with us. My name is Alyssa Angeletti. I am the HR and talent lead at Vision 360. Just take the time to look over your resume, make sure your spacing lines up, um, and that there aren't any typos on there. It's very easy to have someone else look at your resume, and, and if not, go to career services. They will also help you with your resume. It just shows us that you have attention to detail if you don't have those typos on your resume. Like I said earlier, it's not very hard to have someone else look at your resume, and it, it shows you just went above and beyond and you truly care and, and want to come off as a professional if you have a typo-free resume. Um, in terms of the content, certainly spelling errors, you know, things 
that, again, very basic but are easy to do. My name is Sarah Martin. I'm the HR and Recruitment Specialist with Bober Markey Fedorovich. Just like when you're writing an essay or a paper, you know, they say have a second set of eyes, take a peek at it. Um, spelling errors are definitely a turnoff. I wouldn't say you're immediately disqualified, but it's definitely uh, negative points <laughs> if you've got spelling errors on the resume. So typos, spacing errors, misspellings, they're all negative points on your resume's final score, says Alyssa and Sarah. Now, a solid wall against resumes with a single typo isn't always the case. Hello, this is Matt Klaus. I am the human resources director for a company called Fathom. I'm not as big of a uh, spell checker as some of uh, you know some others may be in my role um, because maybe it, because I'm a bad speller, but. I definitely feel like it's not just about my opinion. It's about my, my team's opinion too. So where I'm not necessarily critical on spell check, um, I have managers that are and managers that will cast out a resume that or, or even, you know, a, a whole candidate entirely that I've already interviewed uh, because they've found errors in the resume. And if, if the job requires for a ton of attention to detail and things are misspelled on the resume, well, then that that's an indicator. Uh, maybe not silver bullet, but it's an indicator that that individual may have attention to detail problems. So the range of forgiveness on typo and misspellings can be different reader to reader, yes. But it's just best to assume that typos are, in general, frowned upon. And here's a great rationale on that by Lynn Murphy. Hi, this is Lynn Murphy. I'm the director of recruiting at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. If you're looking, if I'm looking at 40 resumes in a day, and you might be have just as much experience and maybe equal, you're equal with experience to multiple other candidates, and that could be the one difference that means you don't get a call or you don't get an interview versus the person whose resume is perfect. So circling typos and spelling errors in red pen is not simply for the sake of good grammar. It's because your ability to communicate and write clearly is a valuable skill that employers need to know you have if you're joining the team. Typos could be a sign you have a hard time spotting incorrect information and fixing it before it's made public to the world. Think of it as the only evidence the reader has to answer the question, could I really trust this candidate to write an email or send a message to my customers that's accurate and will represent my company in a professional way? Hi, I'm Molly Phelps, a recruiter with Fastenal. I help recruit for sales and operations positions within our Northeast Ohio area. If you're emailing our customers, if you're emailing other Fastenal employees, if you're communicating with anyone, you have that Fastenal shirt on, you're representing us, and we want you to be able to communicate properly. And how well you double-check your own resume for mistakes and fix those mistakes could also be an indication of your ability to simply execute your job day to day. With a resume, you have a lot of time to put it together and perfect it and have somebody review it and make sure it's perfect. So if you miss something like that on a resume, when you're in your normal day-to-day -day work, when someone's not checking you, you're probably going to miss stuff there too. So the red flags on that, could it's a big attention to detail for us. This is Tiffany Proud. My name is Tiffany Proud, and I am a senior human resources recruiter with FedEx Custom Critical. So with us at uh, our company, 
we deal with a lot of critical issues. And so it, one typo could mean you go to the wrong city or state, uh, you put the wrong truck in, something like that. So attention to details a really big thing for us. So if you take nothing else from this episode, remember, the resume needs to be as typo-free and distraction-free as possible. Not just to keep the reader's attention. We talked about how short those attention spans are in the last episode. But you're also gaining their trust. So show them you have a firm grasp on getting those details right. And aside from typos and spelling, I also want to point out another detail that several recruiters stressed as one area that resume writers should always be paying attention to. And that is the dates. The dates that you list on the resume. Help the reader follow your story and your timeline by clearly presenting the length of time that you spent in a particular job or experience. Hi, this is Marie Henry. I am a University Relations Manager at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. We see a lot of times students aren't very clear with either dates or, you know, even locations are sometimes helpful, but just being very clear and having a couple eyes on your resume to edit it, go to professors, go to anyone that you can to just um, make sure that you're putting an expected graduation date because we are always looking for that um, and it's a lot of times hard to find. So just making sure the layout is very neat and organized is super important. Very short-term employers, like a lot of jumping around, would be a red flag. However, if I'm looking at a resume of someone who's just coming out of college, you know, I can, as a recruiter, disseminate that information and say, okay, they worked three months here, three months there, three months. Oh, I see those were all the summers that they were in college. So that makes sense. But if you have a lot of jumping around with no rhyme or reason, that's typically a concern. Also, one key date that you want to be very clear on and that's the date you're available for full-time work. Kate Blake makes looking for this date an early priority in her resume scan. Um, especially for college students, I always look for when they're graduating, what their major is, um, where they're going to school, really that education section. Um, so I really like to see that at the top of their resume. It's really easy for me to find it and see it. And especially because I want to know when they're available to begin a position. So I want to know when they're graduating, and then I'll have an idea of when they'd be able to start a full-time job. Okay, let's zoom out for a minute. We're talking a lot about the content and details packed inside your resume. But what about some of the elements of style, format, and personality? Kind of the, the gift wrap on your resume, if you will. Do all resumes need to be these dry, boring pages? Well, I asked our guests about that. What styles or formats do you like to see in the presentation of a resume? Uh, personality. So in the way that you write your resume, you can, you know, with still being professional, you can have a little bit of your personality come out. If your resume is in script and it's hard to read, that can be a big turnoff. But I have seen a lot of students more recently kind of get more creative with their resumes, which I've enjoyed. You know, that, that doesn't need to be just for marketing majors. Um, if you can find a way to market yourself, make yourself um, have a nicer resume, then it, it shows, again, that you cared and went above and beyond just putting together a word template. Oh, this is a hard one. I would say, I'd say at least 50% of the decision is based on the way the resume looks. I mean, it's really got to be easy to read, um, you know, formatted consistently. I think that's huge is having a consistent format. It really doesn't matter at the end of the day 
you know, what type of font you use. Of course, you want to keep it, you know, something relatively simple, but, you know, the type of font doesn't really matter. Um, It's really that consistency. So making sure your margins are consistent um, and your tabbing is consistent, making sure that things align properly, um, you know, making sure that if you've got your dates on the right-hand side or if you've got your dates, you know, right next to your, your company, Again, that really doesn't matter, just so that it's consistent throughout the entire resume and I'm not having, you know, that it's not a puzzle <laughs> that the recruiter has to go through and figure out the timeline. I'd say format's pretty important. Like I said, half of, I would say about half of <laughs> my opinion or decision really is based on, is this resume easy to read? Um, does it look nice? Is it appealing? Um, because if it's not, that's where I think you'll find a lot of people spend even less time looking at it because it is hard to read. So if you've got 30 seconds of a recruiter's time, you want to make sure it's as nice looking and, and as easy as possible for them to read. My name is Susan Denton. I am from Medical Mutual and I'm a senior corporate recruiter. That quick formatting is going to help us make a quick decision for you. So if we're having to hunt and hunt for the information that we need, we um you know, we don't want that. So that formatting is really important that it's clear because you can help us learn more about you the more clear you're being. So it is very important. If the reader is comfortable and can navigate easily to what they need to find, it may not grant you extra bonus time with their attention, no. But it's certainly going to avoid the reader getting frustrated and just leaving and moving on because they feel that things are a mess and they can't find the value. Makes sense, right? Quick illustration. If you imagine walking into a really popular takeout restaurant for the first time for a quick lunch with friends, you know the one. It has that massive menu that takes up the entire wall behind the counter. Everyone's been there, but it's your first time. If that menu that you're staring at is a mess and that's really hard to follow for a first timer, how do you start to feel when everyone's waiting for you to order? All right, you feel hungry, yes, but besides hungry, we know you're hungry. It's why you're standing here in this imaginary restaurant to begin with. Anyway, the, the point is, if you can't find what you're looking for quickly because the presentation's a mess, you may not feel that inclined to hang around. Okay, illustration's over. Stop thinking about food. How does a well-formatted, well-presented, and maybe delicious resume look? Um, it's definitely okay if it doesn't have um, maybe like some additional color in it or um, some other, you know, more style features. Um, sometimes that can go a little bit too far where it can be a little bit more distracting. Um, so I think as long as it's just, you know, simple and easy to read and easy to get through the categories, um, I think making sure your font's not too small, making sure you're not going to like too far to the edge of the page having um, like a line or a white space between each of your categories is very helpful. Um, So I think um, it definitely doesn't have to be, you know, too much and then too designed, um, especially within like accounting and finances, um, you know, kind of a, maybe just like a little bit more of a just straightforward, just not as much design that's needed for that type of an industry. Um, So I think just the um, clean and easy to read, easy to tell the categories. Um, I think for someone who's going into maybe more of like a marketing or a design position, um, 
then having a little bit more design could definitely make sense like for that industry, um, for what I recruit for within accounting and finance. Um, I think my hiring managers like just a very straightforward, simple, easy to read, easy to see the information, um, good summaries of their positions. Um, I think that's a lot of times like what my hiring managers like to see. So it's spacing. It's balancing the amount of text and blank space on the page. Then they're selecting the font. Now, this can be a time to set yourself apart as having an eye for style, but don't get too carried away here. I'm hearing there's some definite font styles to be avoided. You talked about the, the font being like correct or that there's, there's, you probably have a good image in your head about what's, a, what's an appropriate font. Oh, I've got it down. I've, I've got them memorized. Oh, what are they? All right. So I used to write resumes for candidates when I worked for, for when I used to place them at Robert Half. So I, I, had, a, I had my own formula. Uh, Garmand for the title, right? Uh, it's it's a little bit bolder and thicker and classier. And then Arial Narrow for the bodies of your, your content. Arial Narrow is a little bit thinner. Um, it's very clear and it works. Not everyone should be using Comic Sans point 20. That's just not what we're looking for. We want more standard, Times New Roman or, or Arial would be fine. And a standard size font, so if it's very large, it's also glaringly obvious that you're trying to cover it up. It's okay if it's more spread out, um, but try to fill in some of the blanks as you can. But yeah, definitely don't do Comic Sans point twenty. So we don't want to see that. As long as it's consistent, I wouldn't go crazy with cursive, but if I can read it and it's consistent, that's good enough. I also think with a resume, if you are emailing it or submitting it into an application, it needs to be a PDF. Because if it's a Word document and I download it, the formatting is going to be all off. It could go off on two pages, and then I'm using two pages when it really should just be one. So you can really make the resume your own by embedding some style in your fonts and font size choices. But use these responsibly and don't get carried away, because overdoing it can be a distraction to the reader. But it can also cause some technical issues with how your resume is interpreted by what's called applicant tracking systems that are used by many professional recruitment teams. So let's break down what applicant tracking systems actually mean. A second ago, you heard Molly Phelps touch on the need to save your resume as a PDF to preserve the look of your resume as you send it off via email or upload it to an application system. Well, that application system is most likely some form of applicant tracking system used by the company. Our guests are going to explain how these tracking systems are used and what to avoid so that the technology doesn't work against you. So ATS, applicant tracking system, most companies use them. Not all, but larger companies will use an applicant tracking system. We have hundreds of applicants who come through. It's safe to say that majority of companies that folks are going to be applying to here, they're going to go through an ATS. Um, for me, when it gets a little weird is when, again, there's pictures and there's weird fonts and formats and things like that because mine will take a almost a, a PDF snapshot of someone's resume and format it into this system that I have. Um, so sometimes words can get a little blurry. Sometimes it can look a little small. Um, again, that's why like being purposeful with your font choice is is it is really important. Um, if you try to make it look like you're writing something or signing something just to get cute with it, again, it may be aesthetically appealing on your computer screen, but when it goes through a system, 
it doesn't work. So just be mindful that being artsy isn't going to reflect well on you as an individual. Again, it's more about the reader. One of the biggest tips I have for students when they are applying through an ATS, um, most most often they'll give you the option to upload your resume automatically, which is great. It's easy. Everything populates. One thing I would say is go back through and scan your information. Make sure it put things in the right spot because I will say I've seen applications um, where it just kind of skewed information and, and put it in the wrong section. And frankly, that makes you look bad as the candidate. Um, so I would say even though you're uploading things automatically, just making sure that you scan through your application, make sure that things look correct. Um, and if you have to do it manually, do it manually. If that makes you feel better about you know, making sure your application gets submitted correctly, um, it only takes a few minutes most times. So the use of an ATS can vary company by company due to any number of factors, company size, the number of recruiters, you name it. But the takeaway here is, no matter where you're uploading your resume or application information, be sure that it uploads correctly and is telling your story to the company the way you intended. All right, one last piece of resume detail that we can't move on without addressing is the art of the bullet point. This is a conversation that our team of career advisors in the career service office regularly have with students when working together on a resume. Detailed and relevant bullet points showing how your past experience overlaps and makes you a great match for the position you're seeking, these matter to the reader. Andrew Trotter has a great summary of why things like bullet points need to be written intentionally and with a level of detail that make them connect to him as the recruiter. They shouldn't just be written one time and used over and over and over again for every resume you ever submit. Hi, my name is Andrew Trotter. I'm with the Fastenal Company. I'm the district manager for Northeast Ohio. Primary responsibilities are involved in uh, top-line sales and employee development across the territory. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. I think all too often when we're trying to find a job, we're just email blasting resumes uh, across multiple places. But to take the five minutes to correlate your resume with, with that business uh, is huge. Uh, if there's uh, certain initiatives that that business is you know, uh, proud of, um, try and relate that to your world and things that you've done that, that have the same cultural values of that company. Um, for me, coming from a sales background, it's, it's an opportunity for me to sell myself uh, to the company and expose why I'm going to be a great addition to that organization. So quickly, let's dive into what details are expected in a good bullet point. Well, let's start with an all-too-common trap that some resume writers will fall into, and that is claiming in just a few words to have an expertise, but not giving any evidence or detail to support it. Simply telling the reader that you have a skill without providing any further detail or showing them why that's true is most likely going to fall very flat. Um, another thing that I think our turnoffs are uh, some of those subjective type categories, right? Like, um, I have, I'm a good organize, organizer. I have good communication skills or people skills. Um, I'm a hard worker. Uh, again, those are things that I feel like everybody should be or everybody could claim. So I can't say that, yes, that's true or no, that's not true as a reader. Um, so I would say avoid those at all costs. Lynn Murphy of Vision 360 and Kate Blake of Sherwin-Williams both explained that to avoid this trap of simply telling the reader and not showing the reader, you can follow this tactic. Really putting um, results on there. So, for example, if you were a salesperson, that you hit quota three out of four quarters in a year. If you are, uh, 
you know, working on a project for school that you successfully completed it and your group received an A. So something that ties what you actually did to what the result was. I think that's really important. And also making sure they are relevant and results-oriented type of bullets. So when you're putting the bullets on there, that it's something that you can see what the result is. So the the company that's reviewing the resume can see what you then would be contributing to them. I think if they're in their position and they can show advancement in that role or that they've taken on extra responsibility, I think that's great. Um, If you started off at a certain level in that position or at that part-time job, but you eventually advance and you were in like an assistant manager or a trainer, um, if you can show that advancement in a bullet and say advanced or promoted to this level from my beginning title. Um, I think that advancement is great. shows more leadership that you wanted to take on more. Um, I think if you're working a lot of hours while you're in your position, a lot of students are maybe working, you know, 30 plus, maybe over 40 hours a week while doing school. So if that's anyone's situation, I do always advise tell me how much you're working because I'm not going to know if you just list, you know, your part-time position, but if you're working 35 or 40 hours a week, I would definitely encourage students to call that out on their resume in their bullet points as well. So let's look back. We've covered quite a bit today. First off, typos, misspellings, and grammatical errors are automatic negative points for your application, so avoid them at all costs by carefully reviewing that resume before you click submit. Show that you can be trusted to get the details right, and allow the company to visualize trusting you completely to email a customer or other employees with a message that's written clearly and correctly. Even if you consider yourself to be a strong proofreader, it's always recommended to have a second set of eyes review your resume for typos and grammar. Make sure your resume says what you intended to say. Next, review your resume and choose a layout that's consistent and easy for the reader to follow. If you're placing all your job dates on the right-hand column in bold, then always have your dates on the right-hand column in bold. And speaking of dates, make sure all your dates tell the correct story of how long you've served in that experience so your reader has a clear picture of your progression from experience to experience. And most important, be sure you list your graduation date so that employers know exactly when you're available for a full-time hire. Next up, the applicant tracking systems. Those are likely going to be where you're uploading your resume. So choose fonts, sizes, styles, and spacing that's not just pleasing to the eye, but also easy for an automated system to recognize. And last but not least, detailed bullet points. Readers cannot recognize the value of a skill that you claim to have if you don't give them context and detail of how exactly you built that skill. So give the reader numbers, results, and specific methods you used on the job so they can see you in action. Just like our first resume conversation back in episode one, this was a lot to think about. But don't forget you've got support. If you're not already, get connected to your career services team. Teams like ours are on campus to help you through this internship and job search process from start to finish. If you're at the stage now of creating or refreshing a resume, we're happy to brainstorm, review, suggest edits as you make your way toward that resume you're going to be proud of. The Ready for Business podcast series is a production of the College of Business Administration at Kent State University. Special thanks to our Marketing Communications and Public Relations Office for making sure these episodes make it to your podcast feed. 
You can find all of our episodes as well as contact details and appointment scheduling information for the College of Business Career Service Office at www.kent.edu business. Our special guests for the Ready for Business podcast include Alyssa Angeletti of Vision 360, Kate Blake of the Sherwin-Williams Company, Matt Klaus of Fathom Marketing, Marie Henry and Lynn Murphy of Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, Molly Phelps and Andrew Trotter of Fastenal, Sarah Martin of BMF, Susan Denton of Medical Mutual of Ohio, and Tiffany Proud of FedEx Custom Critical. We thank you all tremendously for your time and contributions to the Ready for Business series and for your support of the students at Kent State University. We'll be back with another episode in two weeks. Until then, make it a great semester and go Flashes. So I'm going to give a little plug for the Kent State Career Services team. Um, Go see them. You know, your career services department is a great place to get ideas, um, to get advice about how to build your resume and things that you can be doing as a student that you may not have thought of. Very good. Thanks for the plug. (laughs)